Hello, and welcome to the Plugged In Podcast, where we talk with founders and CEOs in order to bring you the real stories of failures and triumphs, highs and lows they've experienced on their journey toward success. We will go in-depth with our guests to give you insights into how they have taken an idea from concept to realization, making those first key hires to building the right team, scaling revenues, how they overcame obstacles, and much more as we learn how they achieve success. This is the podcast that you want to subscribe to if you want to learn how to succeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Plugged In. I am Ellie Mandelbaum, an, an industry veteran who decided to do more than just listen to podcasts, but actually start one in which I interview people much smarter than me. Today's episode, we are speaking with Sagi Schleiser, CEO and founder of TabTail, a mobile app really focused on the kids' vertical. Hopefully beyond that, uh, we'll get to that in the, in the podcast as well. That is over 2 billion downloads, and Sagi, if I'm wrong on that, please correct me later on, and growing. They're a top 10 mobile game publisher in the world, according to App Annie, and they repeatedly have apps in top ranks of the app stores. This has all been done over the past eight years. Uh, TapTel has great technology and great content, combining the two with laser focus on the mobile apps market that made TapTel one of the top 10 digital gaming companies in the world. Uh, to give you an idea, TabTail is generating over 500 million downloads each year and is over 1% of global downloads on iOS and Android. They have over 200 employees in six countries with main centers in Israel, China, and uh, Macedonia. So with that, welcome to the show, Sagi. And please just give me a little bit more about your background, maybe where you could fill in and we can take it from there. My background. Cool. So uh, I spent around uh, eight years in the army. I was in some of the tech units, uh, not Shimone uh, Matayim, uh, but uh, other technology units. Uh, and uh, at some point when I became, uh, at, the, at the point, I was uh, a captain in the army. And then suddenly I found out that I'm dealing too much with logistics as compared with doing real work. So I decided that this is a good time for me to, uh, to go out. Uh, plus, I had like a billion uh, job offerings, so that kind of... But I, I, I must say I was pretty patriotic, so <laughs> I, I was willing to stay, but the conditions uh, didn't make it uh, possible back then. Um, so uh, in parallel to the army, I was doing my uh, bachelor's degree in, in psychology and computer science in Tel Aviv. And then I uh, went out and uh, uh, I was part of a founding team uh, that was doing their first startup. It was called Worldwide Commerce. It was a B2B startup. Uh, that was the year was 1999, uh, which in the beginning seemed like a really good year to do a B2B startup. But uh, but then just uh, a couple years end, later, no, not couple. The end of 2000, yeah, the end of 2000. So. Uh, you know, the bubble burst and the B2B became like a curse. So <laughs> there were some nice exits, though, uh, yeah. around 2000. But uh, I, I think B2B never completely recuperated after the, the that period. So and then I, I, I decided what, what 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 makes me passionate. And I really like building huge software. And, uh, and then I went and took on uh, the insurance industry. So I joined the company called uh, IDIT, uh, and uh, we we I've built from scratch uh, in my eyes. And again, I'm I'm, I'm not very mm-hmm. uh, uh, I, I, I I think that we've built a great feeder, and we've built one of the best software for insurance companies. 
Uh, that was early 2000, so, uh, and we won some of the largest insurance companies in the world, including AXA and Wintertour and Aviva, so projects in the kind of range between 10 and 20 million euros, which is nice uh, uh, wins. And then I was head, headhunted by Sapiens, who uh-huh. just went into insurance as well, and uh, Actually, I continued just in a larger scale what uh, what I was doing in, in IDIT, but now n- not only uh, what they call uh, PNC, property and casualty, also life and annuity and things like that. It sounds really boring, but the infrastructure and behind the scenes in insurance, it's massive clients, complex processes and, uh, and a very interesting kind of building, something that wasn't there before. And... In Sapiens, we also bought the company I previously worked for, IDIT. So we've built a kind of uh, one of the largest, and Sapiens today is a, it's a Nasdaq traded company, yeah. one of the largest uh, insurance providers in the world. So pretty proud of what uh, I was doing there. Um, and it obviously, this is B2B, and B2B has a lot of merits, but it's also really frustrating because, you know, the cycles are long, you need to find a sponsor, then he leaves just one month before the project finishes or when the project starts. Yeah. Or that there are many, many it's, things. It's a different beast than B2C. Completely. So, uh, and I, I was really intrigued by, by B2C. And Taptel was originally opened as a kind of a side project. So, it was, I, think, uh, I think I read it was a book publishing platform or interactive books. Yeah, we, so I was still working for Sapiens. I went to my CEO, to Ronnie, and, and I told him, you know, I really like, uh, uh, the intensity and the beat around the sapiens, but you know the fact that it takes you so much time until you get the, the, <laughs> to the end goal of being live. And I told him, you know what, I'm going to do something small on the side. I'm going to join a group, and we're going to do uh, something completely not competing, and we're going to do a books platform or mm-hmm. whatever a mobile platform. And he said, okay. And, and we kept kind of, we had a monthly meeting just around what's happening with that kind of thing. And, uh, and, uh, but it kind of uh, fed into my creative, uh, uh, you know, mind because when I was young, I was writing uh, novels. I, I, I even sent some to be, pu- to be published. My, my, my birthday present to myself when I was 35 year old was a kid's book called High Tech Dad. It's still yeah. out there somewhere. So, but I, I do have this kind of two... Creative passion. Yeah, creative passion and the analytical uh, capabilities. And, and I felt that one is overtaking the yeah. other. So uh, you know, having kids back and, and tapping into that creative uh, thing, I, I, I just felt that I need to do more around it. And the Ronnie just respected that. And so we started the duel where, where I was... 150% doing, you know, my, my role in Sapiens. I was the CTO and I was running uh, uh, one of the sub-companies there, Sapiens Technologies, as a PNL. So, and uh, uh, it was very challenging every two weeks going abroad, you know, selling. And, <laughs> yeah. But I had this kind of creative thing at nights, emails and so on, uh, going over uh, this creative platform for, for kids. Then this is how we started. So it was very... Kind of modest uh, start. So, okay, so before we even jump into that, so what was something that stuck with you from your first job? Like something that you, it could be from the Army also, that a habit or something that you felt that really helped you in everything that you've done, if there is anything. 
Well, I, I think that a lot helped. Uh, uh, first of all, for my first startup, I, I, I really at least wanted to put a, an emphasis. And, you know, everyone is saying that, but it's really hard to do in practice on, you know, how you build the DNA of, of your company. What, what's, what's the kind of key point? So this is one thing that I try to, uh, to really uh, uh, focus on. Uh, another was keep everything simple, no bullshit, because, you know, in the larger organization, there is so much <laughs> politics and bullshit and contracts and things like that. So, so, uh, and even today, when Taptel is uh, over 200 people spread over a mm-hmm. you know, few continents, and, and there is ground to, to become political and uh, you know, bullshit-oriented mm-hmm. with a lot of forms. And, yeah. and, and obviously, you know, in any organization that grows beyond you and yourself, you have some egos and things. But I think today, we have a very egoless uh, organization as much as possible. So I'm really proud of that. So. And, and that, that, that was part of my uh, uh, takeaway. The other takeaway was, uh, I think, on, 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 on consistency and excellence. So, uh, uh, and, and I saw how, uh, how, how these, you know, how when you're really consistent about approaching and, and trying and approaching and trying and approaching and trying, kind of makes you uh, really better at what at what you're doing. And I think it's not trivial because when you create a startup, usually young people, they're not used to failing, consist, being consistent, that they, they, they are more about, you know, this, let's, this is great, let's do this today, <laughs> let's do this tomorrow. So keeping the focus on, on, on what needs to be done, where we're going to steer this, and on building everything around, we've done this uh, uh, process where we, every, every, Every year, month, and week, we've put assumptions and we examine the assumptions on a weekly basis. So I knew one thing that uh, uh, we cannot just, you know, do a five-year plan, uh, although, you know, a lot of the VCs really ask for the five-year <laughs> plan, but we, we actually manage the company on the contrary. So we had kind of long-term ambitions, but we knew the plan can be very, very short for the very next few weeks. And, and we actually had the process in which every week we examined the, the kind of underlying assumptions and, mm-hmm. and not all of them kind of st- kept. So that was really powerful, I think, in, in the process that we had. Uh, okay. And so then is there anything you failed at early on? Um, again, whether job-wise or even as a kid that really stuck with you that felt that, you know, okay, I don't want this to happen again. Like, I need to overcome this. And how did you, if you were, did overcome it or you just, like, went around it? And, again, there's no, if there's no answer, there's no answer. I mean, no, no, the, the, there is answer. <laughs> well, I didn't feel, you know, failure is, uh, is uh, I, I think there, there are the, couple of faces to failure. So usually you don't like to feel that you're failing. So, But I think the whole, during my whole life, I, I kind of failed and, 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 and stood up again. So, so I, I remember my whole life as a series of, of experiences, mm-hmm. obviously, where usually people really told me I'm stubborn. And yep. stubborn is just another, <laughs> another way to tell you that you failed a lot, but you never quit. So I think this is kind of really uh, characterizes who I am. So, so I, I did a lot of great things, but during that process, we failed I- immensely. So I failed in, uh, in the first startup, in, you know, in some of the team we've built and, and in choosing the partners and in, 
uh, technology stack we've kept. So, and, and, and all of that kind of built uh, resilience in me. One, one thing is I try to, you know, like I said, the processes of uh, thinking about what we've done and, and how we can improve. I usually try and do it uh, uh, continuously and, 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 and acknowledge that we didn't take a good decision. Let's take another decision or let's go another way. And I think I'm also very stubborn, consistent, so it's really hard to uh, to break me up, although I, I, I can decide that something you know can no longer continue. Uh, it happened in the first startup that uh, I felt the markets are not ready and, and we stopped. But uh, this is a process that uh, uh, so even in you know it's selling to insurance companies, it's mostly failure. So you're a small company <laughs> out of Israel, you want to sell to these giants and uh, with their uh, you know European manners and. Uh, and it's it's really hard process. So uh, so obviously we we got many more no's than than yes. yes, and we had to squeeze in the window and not the doors. But uh, I think this is really what makes you tough. So uh, well, that that's a good segue now too. So so you were at Sapient and your boss right, was Sapient. So, so and he was really really nice that he let Stand you up guy, I yeah. mean let you say okay focus on this you need to get it out your system or do whatever focus on he said there's a habit instead <laughs> of playing tennis or go swimming or whatever you, you can do this so but when did you realize okay so it started off as something different than what you what it is now so first when did you realize okay I'm going to start I'm going to leave what I'm doing now, my full-time job. I'm going to take a waiver. I'm going to, you know, really go with my creative, you know, juices. Start a company, and then when you, when you started it, it's like, okay, when do you realize okay, it has to shift or it's evolving? So it took it took time. Uh, first of all, uh, early on, uh, I brought to the company a, a guy, Guy Tomer, who's today the COO of Tapted. So. Actually, he's part of the key reasons why Taptel today is one of the top uh, gaming companies because he was actually, he was CEO from the start, but actually when I'm a part-time CEO, so he was actually leading uh, things. I, 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 I felt very happy, you know, around the setting guidelines, around bringing my experience and my kind of, um, you know, assumption and processes. And also about the creative part, because uh, that that was really what I I, I felt that I'm lacking in, in my original Sapiens job. So, uh, but at the end, you know, especially in, in startups, the beginning is a lot of hard work. You need to do sponge the office, uh, <laughs> go to the banks, do everything. So, uh, so I, I was kind of not doing everything. I was I was between a chairman and uh, yeah. and the CEO. So I had an I, I had my ambitions about pushing something very creative, about discussing the product, doing a lot of uh, nice uh, high to medium level decisions. But uh, in actuality, Guy was the one, you know, pushing the company out of the trenches. And it was very hard because our original, we built the company on a few assumptions. One was that iPads are going to be a huge success. The other one was that the books market, the kids' books market, is an $8 billion market just in the U.S. So it's going to move into interactive reading and, and iPad, at least to some extent, like e-books where we're mm-hmm. really taking off. Um, and we also built on the fact that kids are going to, to get a lot of devices. So, so we were 
kind of right in two out of three, but uh, in many cases, this is not enough. So iPad <laughs> became huge, at least when it mattered. Uh, they kind of grew uh, uh, exponentially. And kids, in, in a really fast manner, they started getting the old iPads, the parents, but the, the books market on, on iPads was still nothing, was nothing. So we invested in a, in a kind of wrong product. So it had no... No uh, financial uh, outlook. So, uh, and, and here comes again the fact that we, on a weekly basis, we questioned ourselves. So we started putting educational and gaming elements within the, the books, mm-hmm. the, the interactions. And then since everything is measurable today in, in mobile, so, so you get something. It's, it's kids, so you cannot you know, know specifically, but you, you, to improve the product, you can get some, some analytics on, on, on general usage. So... So you saw that, that the books were not uh, taking off, but the gaming elements, the educational elements, the interactive they were really parts. interactive parts, and specifically the gaming ones, the dress up and 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 so on, they, they really uh, took off. So uh, so we started pivoting, and guys started pivoting. I mean, it's the decision mm-hmm. we took together, but again, the actual. You, were you, you were you still as a CEO, you know, the other place still, or when did you move full time? So I was. The company was created in 2010. Yeah. I joined full-time Taptel only 2013. So, okay. uh, so it was uh, two, and, yeah, two and a half years. Uh, well, you know, in the beginning, it was just nothing. Yeah. But it started, we started having employees and so on around uh, 2011. So almost two full years that uh, I was doing a really hard effort of uh, <laughs> a NASDAQ-traded company and, and starting a startup. But... Obviously, like I said, without Guy, I don't think I don't think that this was possible. And there was Near was the CTO. Near was is one of the co-founders, mm-hmm. so he was really also material. Uh, he was full time and he was leading the technology and the platform. We built a platform in which it was really easy to create these smaller pieces of content, which at least in that period of time was very. Uh, important and gave us a competitive advantage. So, so when we started pivoting, we had the platform, we had some of the assumptions right, we had kind of good DNA of the team. So we were able to, I think, uh, uh, identify uh, fast the, the wrong assumptions and try and move into uh, correct assumptions. And we still did it when there was huge potential. So when did you start seeing traction? Like when did you? So you, you were just saying like you know the gaming, the books, the and the, the really, I would say uh, high usage was in the gaming aspect. So you realized that, and you know internally, you guy Tomer were saying, okay, now we just have to sh- shift towards a game. What was the first game you 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 published? The first game that really got traction was in 2013 was baby dress up and care which was by the way a game we almost uh, we thought the art was uh, wasn't looking too good and we thought maybe not to publish the game mm-hmm. but this game had some you know you never know what what's the kind of uh, killer factor <laughs> and it, it really caught on the story and it, it kind of uh, Rose to 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 become uh, number I think three uh, on the on on iPad US, which mm-hmm. was kind of where we were looking at all the time, and it kind of caught on in many different countries. So, and and j- just around that, it, it's a journey because when we were in books, I mean the books category is two percent of the downloads in the App Store, educational is four, and games is fifty percent. So 
we did see some traction in books, but it's a 2% category. No one was paying. So, so we, we were topping the enough? charts in books, but it's like, you know, topping the, the value. <laughs> the, and then we, we started publishing in education because we said it's too big jump to mm-hmm. go into games. And we were topping the education. So, so we had some traction, some users, but not, not a lot of revenues, not huge numbers. And then we made the jump, the leap into games. And there, I think, Baby Dress Up and Care kind of uh, pushed us to a place where we, we started having users and, and, and we cross-promoted them into other games that we, were, that we published. Were you nervous when making that leap? Like, you know, at that point in time, it was, it was again, it was a relatively small company. No, no, not really. I think that because you know it was like uh, right now, and when we'll get to it, the, the lips are more. I mean, I have, I have a lot of families that we feel we have yeah. business that is making money, and then you need to, to to decide where you want to see growth. Back then, it was you know the company was this was not a viable business. So either you find a viable right. business or you close business. So so <laughs> this was not really something that made me nervous. I mean. I wanted to succeed, but in a sense, it wasn't yeah. a big gamble because uh, the, the the offset was closing the company in any case. So why do you focus? So you maintained your focus for early childhood, really, right? Why didn't you say to yourself, okay, you know, the gaming market's 50%, but, I'm, you know, if I can get a little piece of, a, the, again, the teenager, the tween market, your, your 10 to, you know, 18-year-olds is really where a lot of... What made you focus Is it on the early childhood? Is it because of your experience before? And you said, okay, we could just parlay this into a game and it just it's the evolution of it? Or you decided not to no, specifically I, go after I, the... I, I think originally the creation of Taptel was very... Not, not naive in a business sense, but, you know, you want to do good. So you identify that... Uh, you know, I, I was a parent. I was reading to my daughter's uh, bed, bedtime storybooks, and and I was traveling, and 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 then you know we had many features to address that. So you could record your voice, so when you're away, your daughter or son can still hear your voice. So so I think we wanted to do good. In, you know, when we started that, and and going after toddlers and doing interactive books, and there was a lot of uh, free. IP, you know, all the, mm-hmm. all the Bible stories and the, the Grimm brothers. And so it felt like, you know, everything felt and, and the market analysis was there. So uh, and then when, when we found out the market is not there, then we started analyzing more in a business sense. So initially, we, you know, we said it looks like an interesting market, the technology move. And we feel this can contribute to the greater good of the uh, of, of, of the world, but then when you know when you have the business and you find out that this assumption was wrong, you start you know revisiting what is successful in the app store, and you find out by the way that parents are not making the download decision for any you know three year old and up, and while whether you go to Toys R Us or uh, or uh, whatever or Barnes and Noble, they make the by not only the buy decision they the browse decision, the mm-hmm. download decision. So many habits change with the, with with the iPhones or iPads. So and the, as we saw them happening in real life, we needed to make decisions. Did you raise? Um, you, were you bootstrapped to begin with? And I, I think you did raise some money. Yeah, yeah, um, we raised. But so I, when when Taptel started, uh, you, you know, I I, I I worked for Sapiens. I, I was doing nice, but. No, nothing that <laughs> not, nothing that uh, makes you rich. 
So uh, I sold my apartment and I took half. Half I uh, put into my... Then uh, uh, she was my wife. Now she's my ex-wife. Into <laughs> her account. I told her, this is your half, but yeah. I, I really want to try this out. So my half in the apartment, uh, I put into, into the company, into the bootstrap. It was really hard, by the way. We went... Uh, I, I had good uh, uh, connectivity or accessibility, I think. To most of the uh, VCs back then, so you know the, the the all the big names, and we went and we we met with them. Most of them told me that you know no uh, digital goods uh, will come that will start from Israel and sell primarily to US, but and and the market here is too small. And they told me that we needed to uh, to think whether we want to do a technology outfit, so you know white label. And we really thought about it uh, because it was an interesting view. But the, at the end, we, we decided that what, at least what was interesting for us was the users, the community. If we could not, you know, establish that, then it's, we, we don't want to do it. So, uh, and then um, uh, so we, 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 we put quite a, a bit of money into the company. And then at one morning, uh, Magma called me. We registered in IVC, so... Mm-hmm. But suddenly Modi calls me on the line and we, I didn't know him back then and I didn't know Magma. And he said, that I saw that you registered with IVC. It looks interesting. Let's meet. And we met and he said, you look, it looks very interesting. Nice team. I'm not going to ask you for any three year, five year. I just want to understand the key KPIs for the next few months on the product side. And they kind of put a small, uh, it was supposed to be in the beginning of a bridge loan, but it became an investment. But that point in time, we understood real well that it's going to be really hard to raise, at least, I I think today the picture is different, to raise significant amounts. And and we decided, although this is very naive, we decided we want to become profitable very fast. (laughs) So not to have to raise uh, money from... uh, you know, being with with your back to the wall. So, yeah. uh, and and actually, in 2012, we became profitable. 2012, you're profitable. So, yeah, pretty much what that's a year. A year. A the year. company registered December 2010. So, year afterwards, the company becomes profitable. And and I think quite a lot was this decision that we want to become profitable. Sometimes, you know. Uh, uh, the point of committing the universe is giving you a big push towards it. Uh, and I think, you know, mindset is, is really, is really influential in where you're going. So, so how did, so you, you made that, and I will jump into that now and then we'll go into other strategy, you know, other questions. You want to be profitable. So what was your strategy, right? So you had advertising, you had downloads, in-app purchases, but in-app purchase really, it's not strong with the age market you're going after. We started with only in apps, and it, then okay. uh, towards the end of 2011, when we we added, uh, uh, but very, very uh, cautiously, we added ads, um, uh, and 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 we also went into originally we started only with iOS. We saw mm-hmm. iPad as the main device, mm-hmm. so we started supporting uh, Android. Um, and, and and we started uh, uh, looking in, into you know how to push the games effectively, wh- what needs to be done, um, and 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 also we started looking like I said the other genres. So uh, so we were not limited anymore to books. We 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 started looking more at what the users are, do- are downloading rather than what we feel 
that uh, we want to produce into the app store. Because, you know, it's on one side, you can say, I want to change what people are consuming. I'm going to give them this yeah. product. But on the other side, you know, the users are, are, are using what they like. So we started to, we, we started to try and understand what they like doing and then how we can build our product strategy around at least that and not what we want to create. And then, okay, users, please download it. How quickly could you push out an app in those, uh, in those days and, and today? Let's compare the two. So, uh, w- first of all, in 2011, and, and I think, you know, you asked me, and, and, and I, one of the things I learned from, from my past mm-hmm. was that at the end, you will get into an economy fight. So you need to lower your unit economics and you need to build something which will give you growth strategy. And Israel is quite expensive in, in, <laughs> in many of the costs. So the company was registered December 2010. In February of 2011, we already had our first offshore unit in Macedonia. Okay. So that's just three months later. And what was leading me was the fact that... Uh, we need to start building a, a kind of a split. So my view was that the studio actually that was doing the creation will be in Macedonia and, uh, and, and technology and HQ will be in Israel. And although it took time that the first team was three and then three more, by the end of 2011, we had around 10 people in Macedonia, uh, which was on one side very economic and on the other side, they're very talented people. The, the top out of, universities um, and 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 it gave us a, a, a lot of advantage in uh, you know in trying to to to, to move and shift and uh, and 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 also around focusing at some point on uh, on on trying to become profitable so uh, because you're competing you know within the developers with developers globally in many countries and 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 the fight here in Israel is with the on tech people is with the you know the cyber companies and these companies so you want the top people but you also need to spread and you need to decide how you want to spread your cost uh, in, in in a way which will be most efficient Interesting. No, that's that's a good point. I, I mean, I don't know a lot of, and I've done a lot of these podcasts, and I've interviewed a lot. I don't know if anybody's looked at the landscape that way. So, why did you pick Macedonia to begin with? What there? Did you know people there to begin, or did you? I had previous relationship okay. with uh, with Matrix. Okay. And I didn't want to create a company, deal with all of the bureaucracy. So I decided one, it's going to be with with some with some company that will give me the service. Then I decided that I only want an Israeli company because you know yeah. start dealing now, and and then I I wanted so I went to you know a few Israeli companies there aren't a lot and uh, I had really good relationship with the guys in Matrix and they gave us a good contract. They really wanted to push this out and mm-hmm. uh, and they you know go into the gaming industry in a sense services to the gaming industry and. And it was really successful from the get-go. They made kind of the environment really easy for us. So hassle-free, you know, no legal, yeah. no IT, no, just getting <laughs> the right people. And it was it was really critical for us in the beginning. So today we have almost 80 people in Macedonia. Wow. And it's a 2 million people country. Yeah, so exactly. Imagine, uh, yeah. So, you know, can you give me some numbers on your first game, right? Your first big game and, and let's say today. Like how many downloads did you get the first month? So back then we used to measure a hit by if it's if it would do around a million downloads in the first month. So uh, uh, 
And, and the journey that we had is that, you know, in 2013, 14, and, and even 15, the kids' games market was really booming. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started when we, 2012, we started publishing the, the games for kids. We were like at the bottom of the top 10 publisher for, uh, for kids with companies much bigger than us. Uh, and then gradually we released and learned, released and learned, and by... The end of 2013, we became number one in the publisher for, for kids, which was very impressive in our eyes. But then what happened, uh, you know, this is the mobile space is very interesting because habits are created. Kids are kids change their habits. If the kids of 2013 and 14, they got the smaller devices and later and they didn't get it when they were, you know, two years old. Uh, Kids got accessibility to their mobile devices much younger. They got many more and, 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 and they, they started uh, asking for more from the games or jumping into, you know, kids were playing um, uh, Supercell games like Clash Royale and, yeah. and Heyday and uh, Sniper. <laughs> so the boys really jumped over all of the uh, uh, kids' games and girls played a bit more, but it... So we saw that uh, the market is not evolving uh, the way we expected. And, and we, we decided it was a very painful decision. We, we made some pivots that uh, didn't work out. And we decided that we're going to move into the casual kind of space, casual, hyper-casual space, and completely drop the, the kids' uh, market. It became, you know, uh, it's very regulated with a lot of, uh, obviously, it deals with children. So there are a lot of privacy policies that I think are very important, but then uh, you know at the end it's really it's really really hard to uh, to thrive in that financially in that space. So uh, so we said okay we we have the portfolio we've done nice we have a lot of interactive books that that we leave as a legacy there. But uh, <coughs> and and that this was the hard decision where we want to move how it's going to impact the company. We need to close a lot of uh, lines of business and shut down. You know structures that we then recreated different ones. So, and 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 there, you know, we went back into hyper growth and uh, and continued our you know successful journey journey in the app store. So. How do you guys pick out what games you wanted to, you know, make? Yeah, well, it was so there. It's, it's well, partly market research, okay. but big part are the game designers. They've kind of. Uh, we have on a weekly basis brain, <clears throat> brainstorming and uh, and uh, and sessions, pitch sessions where they pitch the games. <clears throat> the ones that uh, get voted on the most get prototypes, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then the ones with the good prototypes they go into uh, build and hopefully publish. At, at each point, you know, it's like a reverse pyramid. Yeah. So at each point, there is a significant drop until the ones that go into soft launch. And if they make the nice KPIs, <clears throat> then they go into full launch. So n- moving, moving a little in a different direction. So you, were, you, you pivoted at a point in time. Mm-hmm. How, was the, how many people were you at at that time? When we started the pivoting, uh, <clears throat> I think we were around uh, also the, the same size. I okay. Mean. And so, how was, was uh, what I want to try and get to is, is the morale and then company culture because that's something I try and focus on as well. Is when you're building a big company, company culture is almost as crucial as the technology. I agree. Um, so, 
you know, what was the, what was the, you know, especially when you said some of the pivots didn't work out as well, you ended up finding a pivot that really did work and resonated. And then you were able to really build up from there. You know, like, what was the culture? What was the morale around here? You know, and when you started building, apparently that was the hyper growth stage. When, what type of culture did you want? Again, coming in as the CEO, did you really want to give to your team and teams really across the world, right? Because you're not just in Israel. And when you are in different places, even though they run like separate offices, they're all still a unit, right? They all still need to work together. Yeah, I I think the DNA of the company, uh, the the essence did not change. At least, you know, when we became more and more uh, uh, focused also on on performance, so measuring things. Because I think one of the problems is when people don't know you know how to measure anything, and then any feedback you, you you provide sounds sometimes it's not related to uh, to uh, to actual things. So, mm-hmm. but the DNA was about <coughs> um, transparency from the beginning. Was about uh, you know having fun. Mm-hmm. We there are a lot of you know jokes, comedians, <laughs> fun stuff in the office. I think that was part of the DNA to start with. The, um, Keeping it light. Yeah, keeping it very, very fun, very light, but a serious attitude, obviously, towards the, the, the performance and excellence in the in, in the App Store. But like I told you, we were very flexible. So, uh, so, so uh, it, it's it's a message that resonated the whole time in which we've done the, all of the processes. We we told the, we told people, this is what happened. This works. This doesn't work. And we need to change. This is the reasons that we want to change. This is the impact that's going to happen to this team, to that team. And in in most of the cases, we gave teams an option, you know, to reincarnate into different teams. And this is what happened. And then we told the team, but also with transparency, if you don't like this, if you don't want to do this, then this is the end of the road for us. Because... If you, if you, uh, one of our motto is you've got to have fun. So if you're coming here and you're not having fun, <laughs> let's say three days in a row, five days in a row, you're not in the right place. So, <clears throat> so go find a place where you, where you have fun. So, uh, and you know, it's hard because sometimes a person that is doing, you know, out of ideology, interactive books and educational apps, and then we say, okay, we need to shut this down. And you want we have casual games or hyper casual games, and they say, but we like doing books, so okay, so <coughs> so it's it's hard, but I I think at the end when you're transparent and honest about things, then it keeps the morale in a good place. You know when people are leaving, it happens, it it, it it impacts, but they know that they left for the right reason. And, and and the worst thing is, you know, when there are rumors flying around and people feel that you're not honest and then they start double interpreting everything that, that happens. So I think this was mostly avoided, you know, in every company there are some rumors, uh, some things, but uh, in 99% of the cases we communicated uh, upfront, honest, transparent, and, and to the point, we didn't try to keep people just for the sake of keeping, we yeah. told them why they should stay, but we 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 also respected any decision they would okay. take. Okay. Yeah, so now switching gears again. So growth strategy with your with your apps, right? So you know, how did you how did they get downloaded? Was it just viral? Did you use paid advertising? Did you 
um, you know, just send it to a few people and then just spread it around? Like, what did you feel or what could, what do you think attributed to your success even today, right? Because again, you know, is it one or the other? Is it a combination of different methods that you use to download? Or is it, you know, you're just pushing out updates with people and you have an email list now that you can send out to? No, no emails. It's it's the mobile market I think is significantly different than, than web. So but originally we started the app store was young. So a lot of the downloads we got were just by, you know, having a decent product that is free to play. Pushing it a little bit with the existing users, no email campaigns or anything worked. Uh, and in the beginning, we didn't have any funds, you know, to, mm-hmm. to do any, any funded marketing. Uh, when we started amassing some, uh, <clears throat> some users, like I told you, in the beginning, that was the whole vision. We wanted to have a community of users. <clears throat> and then we started cross-promoting. So when you downloaded one game, in the beginning, the first thing you would see is, please download more games mm-hmm. from us. Because if you like this game, maybe you like others. Mm-hmm. And and it kind of worked for us nicely. And as long as we had, you know, these years, 2013, 14, 15, around the kids' business, so we amassed around 30 to 40 million unique monthly active users, and we cross-promoted. Uh, we started marketing a little bit, and, uh, and 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 that was kind of uh, 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 doing the job. <clears throat> but towards 2015, the market continued to change, uh, and going into casual and hyper casual. I think today most of the uh, not most, but a lot of the downloads are coming from uh, uh, also uh, paid marketing. So so the market. Today, getting uh, into the top charts without paid marketing is also is almost impossible. So, so you need to balance between having the user community and cross promoting and suggesting we have this and we have that. And if you like us, please download it. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, you want to get new users and and you you just uh, uh, do paid marketing. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up in a few minutes. So I'm gonna <coughs> move on, um, you know, a little bit now. So, did you have a mentor when you? started even through the army or through your first few jobs did you have someone that you went to and spoke to and said you know i'm not sure i'm you know caught in a couple of things it was i'm always curious to know if, if you know ceos especially ones who've scaled are, are either relying on themselves internally or they're using someone as someone else who's a little bit older or a friend as a sounding board well, I, I think I have a good friends network on one side that, uh, and, and you know, no one was mentoring specifically, but mm-hmm. I have like a couple of really good childhood friends to which I go with some of the issues. Uh, I think in Sapiens, uh, uh, the CEO of the company, his name is Rami Doron. So uh, so he, he was my mentor through Sapiens, through a lot of processes because until Sapiens, uh, the biggest company I was working with was Edit, which, which when I started was uh, like 10 people, and, and we grew it to 100, 120. And Sapiens, today it's 1,000, but even then it was above 200, mm-hmm. and with some, you know, offices, politics, yeah. and stuff, <clears throat> and processes. And I think he really kind of, uh, even today, I, I, I meet with him a lot, and uh, he's a friend, and, and, and the good mentor around the... You know many many things. Yeah. He he had a lot of he has a lot of life experience, so really comes in very very handy. What did you want to be when you were fifteen? Um, did 15? you fifteen? Fifteen. When you were a teenager, did you have anything? A brain surgeon. You, you, 
<laughs> I haven't heard that one. I've heard of Olympic weightlift. I've not heard of brain surgery yet. <laughs> I, I, I was I was focused from like I think when I when I was eight until joining the army. I was focused on being a brain surgeon. I I almost joined the medical uh, uh, unit you know, unit going you know into university. I was accepted to Beersheba and 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 then at the last minute I had a discussion with an army doctor and he told me, look, you're doing a big mistake. Wave that because if you're going to To, to be a doctor and then going to the army you're going to be a kind of a regiment doctor it's not going to drive you where you want go do the army try to go into computer science we think that this is the best course towards you know brain surgery at the end and by the way when I when I left the army and, and I did my I have like I have I compute I, I continued my computer science and psychology into a uh, into a, a bio a, a psychology which is you know on the way and I did my master's in computer science so I was it's not I was doing a journey towards kind of it called brain brain sciences but then you know top tail happened and then I you know I, I found that it's really satisfying and and maybe I will continue the journey <laughs> afterwards but uh, I stopped it around you know the time that uh, I started top tail it was too hard and So as long as I held only one job, I continue to study, but uh, now I have a few degrees and maybe I'll continue the, 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 the journey towards brain uh, uh, science. Well, excellent. Well, I appreciate your time today. It was really informative. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Love this episode of the Plugged In Podcast? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.